Hello, and welcome to the Gundam Sentinel Podcast. My name is Gordon, and I'll be your host of this limited run series. Gundam Sentinel is a side story set in the Universal Century timeline of Mobile Suit Gundam. I've always loved this IP, and I wanted to share my love analysis of this with you. This does, however, contain spoilers for other works in the Universal Century timeline, so be warned. I hope you guys enjoy. So let's get into it. Chapter 3 Sorting S Gundam Sutsugeki S Gundam Universal Century 0088 End of February to March 1st During World War II, the phrase Devil's Garden was coined and referred to the minefield established by German troops set up to defend El Alamein in their battle for North Africa. The peasant installation had set up a similar system in its defense and was given the same nickname. Stage 1 of the defense system consisted of satellite-guided missiles used by Xeon during the One-Year War. Beside asteroids and other space debris drifting nearby were fitted with thrusters that could be guided into enemy ships. Although the debris didn't have any explosives, the sheer force of impact would cause significant damage to enemy vessels. The second stage was taken from the weapons platform from old Salams-class cruisers. They were retrofitted into space-use mobile gun platforms. Each platform drew power from the Sol 7804 power generator system or satellite, which enhanced its power signal output significantly. When Cod told Offshore that the garden had been decorated, he had notified the satellite had been linked up to the gun platforms. The satellite was originally at Lagrange Point L4 and provided power for Side 2 during the One Year War. Unlike the colonies, the satellite itself was not damaged and the new decides moved Peasant L4 to Lagrange 4 to make full use of the power from its satellite for its defense. The final stage of Peasant's defense compromised or rather comprised of new decides fleets itself along with attached sharp group of mobile suit teams. Manning's meanwhile pounded in frustration the Combat Intelligence Control or CIC deck aboard the Pegasus 3. The FAD squadron had returned to the ship Fleet Commander Major Eton Heathrow asked Mangs for an immediate situation report or sitrep. Mangs patched in the combat report data onto the main monitor screen. This is the data we collected concerning the wreckage near Peasant, with orbital and free drift freight factored into the fat images we captured. From the looks of it, they have already constructed a fairly solid stronghold. Mangs determined that the likelihood of the surrounding debris and asteroids were converted to high-grade weapons. Moreover, he felt that mobile suit teams that engaged the fast team were there to allow the instructor corps to stall the approach of the task force to allow for their defense to be completed. The fleet commander then ordered the communications crew to get in contact with Side 5 and then wanted the ship to change course. Manning told them that a haste retreat would likely cause destruction as they've already clearly entered the enemy's fire range and it would take way too much time to contact Side 5. He then suggests a slow retreat using the thruster vents. This would prevent new decides to attack them from their rear, but it would consume a lot of fuel and cause the thrusters to overheat or malfunction. At this point, the crew all donned their normal suits. A spotter in the bridge then noted a small object that was heading toward the cruiser. Manning's ordered the main cannon of the Pegasus 3 to aim at the cluster of satellite-guided missiles heading to the fleet. The escort cruisers went to level 1 combat alert and activated their targeting systems. The mega particle cannon fired and hit, causing massive balls of fire in space. 
Mangs thought that the accuracy of these ship-mounted weapons had improved significantly since the One Year War. He then also knew that the accuracy was not going to be the same against mobile suits, and in particular, mobile suits have also become more maneuverable since the One Year War. Sponic, the spotter rather panicked and yelled, Peasant has fired a beam weapon! Heather ordered all ships to fire beam interference missiles. The Pegasus III, along with other ships, launched several wire-guided drones that were launched towards aft and ignited. Upon detonation, a large amount of gas was dispersed in a spherical fashion and acted similarly to the anti-beam coating used in the one-year war. This tactic helped to mitigate the intensity ergo damage of beam weapons. This did work as the ships retreated and continued firing beam interference missiles. The enemy has fired beam interference missiles and begun to retreat. Cod and Prey, who were sitting in the peasant patrol, review the report with satisfaction while looking at the battle in real time on a monitor. Brave Cod and Tosh Cray were debating over the need to deploy mobile suits. Cod felt that the defenses were more than adequate, however, Cray felt that they should reinforce, especially given the capability of agile mobile suits like Zeta Gundam. Cod said that the Zeta was not mass-produced and was likely destroyed during, the op during Operation Maelstrom. Cray countered the Federation had developed mass-produced variants and other new models. Cod did agree that the enemy mobile suit Josh encountered had the firepower of a capital ship. Cray continued that the Sol satellite should be better defended or else all their combat platforms would be taken out. Cod felt that if a mobile suit has such a great deal of firepower as to be able to navigate through the garden, they would not be maneuverable at all. Cray countered that mobile suit development has improved since the one-year war, and that a mobile suit with both high firepower and mobility was certainly possible. Cod said they doubted such a mobile suit existed, and that there was no way it could rival the Zekutsuai, and if such a mobile suit even existed, that they would launch the mobile suit by itself to counter it. Task Force Alpha continued its beam interference defense as it proceeded to exit Peasant's beam cannon firing range. The effective defense it also prevented the ships to fire their beam weapons and could only fight with missiles with any further attacks. The missiles weren't guided, and although they would explode, they would cause shrapnel to be spread out and did serve as a uh, de facto defensive screen of its sort of its own. Two smart beams, or rather missiles, have broken through the web. They're headed for the Gyeong and the Chanti, screamed the spotter. Despite attempts at destroying these warheads, the Gyeong's bridge took a direct hit and the Chanti's main hull was pierced. Slowly, these two warships were destroyed. The remaining cruisers cleared the firing range. Mangs and Heathrow decided upon the next course of action and felt that this was the best time to mount a counterattack as the new decides would not be expecting such a daring assault. Heathrow granted permission for the attack before reinforcements could arrive. Mangs decided that the attack squadron consists of the Fast Group, Zeta Pluses, and the Superior Gundam. The Pegasus relaunched two hours later, the Superior Gundam. It was equipped with a large array of boosters which enabled it to travel long distances. Two Zeta Pluses were flying escort in Wave Rider mode. Manning's ordered Lieutenant Roots to destroy the satellite Sol 7804. The Zeta Plus squadron would provide escort throughout and one minute after the FAZ squadron would open fire with their long-range attack, he was ordered to accelerate and pierce Pazin's defense. Shin Crip's squadron of three FAZs had been launched and given the order to fire after emerging from a group of asteroids. S Gundam. 
Ryuruts launching. Upon clearing the deck, Ryuruts flying the booster S gunner flew in a V formation with the two Zeta plus escorts. He then fired the massive boosters and shot past the Zetas as his fellow squadron mates were amazed by his acceleration. Despite the protection of his normal suit, the acceleration was massive and made Roots not too particularly comfortable as he headed towards target. Even though Cod doubted the Federation fleet could represent a threat, Kray launched an Zeku Ainz and flew towards Saul based on instinct. While en route, he and Cod were communicating. It became clear that there were three lines of fire. Moreover, they realized that something seemed impossible. There's something. It's approaching an unbelievable speed. Is it a mobile armor? Impossible. It's only the size of a mobile suit. Indeed, Cray thought the enemy possesses a new generation of weapon design. Brave, hurry and deploy the mobile suit squad to intercept. Cray then accelerated his Zeko and headed to Saul. Heeding Cray's advice, Cod deployed. Offshore's 1st Assault Squadron and La Lieutenant Fastside's 4th Assault Squadron. 18 Zekuites were sent towards Saul to intercept the strange mobile suit. Superior Gundam or S Gundam continued to hurtle towards his target. 2nd Lieutenant Sigmund Shade and Tex West tried to keep up in their Zeta Pluses and wondered if he even needed cover. As Rear approached Saul, he activated his weapon systems. The various gun platforms nearby fired as mobiles at the mobile suit, but could not keep up and missed every time. Roots was able to breach the last line of defense. Several Zeku lines formed the defensive perimeter around Saul. Josh Offshore was there as well. He anticipated Ryu's arrival and aimed his rifle at the S Gundam. The being smart gun of the S Gundam and its crosshairs came to life. The targeting solution was pre-programmed. Once Superior Gundam fired, the Zeta Plus escorts fired as well. The Zeku Ainz was able to hit the S gun up, but its armor and speed minimizes its intended damage. The beam from the three Federation mobile suits struck the Sol satellite and caused its destruction, as well as the Zeku Ainz unit nearby. The sound of the dying pilot could be heard by Joff Offshore in his cockpit. He became angered and aimed his rifle at the Elite Squadron mobile suits. Roots felt his mobile suit hit and cursed his cagged in his mind. He tried to keep calm and try to control his nerves, but was not so successful in controlling his bladder. The beam's mark on recharged and sick and Zeku Ainz was also destroyed. Cray arrived in Zeku Ainz, but it was too late. The three Federation mobile suits withdrew, and the new decides pilots were just stunned at what they had just witnessed. Their initial arrogance was gone. The Superior Gundam and the Zeta Plus Squadron headed back to the Pegasus 3. Lieutenant Crypt congratulated Roots. Mang 2 also patted Roots in the shoulder as he headed to the head. Roots felt angered at Mannings as he felt Roots was sent out to his death. Mang told him it was okay and to go clean up Pants Pissing Hero. Roots, however, felt he was being mocked. Mang said to him, it was normal for a rookie going out to battle uh, for this to happen at the first time. Over the next several days, the new Decides and Task Force Alpha tried to investigate each other, but there were no further actual engagements. The two destroyed ships were replaced by the Ulysses and Cumberland from Side 5. Earth Federation headquarters decided to use a stronger military force to address the Peasant Rebellion. An uneasy calm presided before the attack on Peasant would begin.
So this episode is going to feature heavily a lot about the titular mobile suit or superior Gundam. However, I do have to mention in brief uh, passing the Zekutsuite that was mentioned in this chapter. Um, it was only mentioned, but it's certainly not uh, highlighted, so I'll just mention sort of in passing. Um, the Zekutsuite represents the second unit from the X series. Zwei is the German word for number two. The peasant installation created this particular mobile suit and will be featured in a later chapter. I really don't want to ruin the surprise, so please stay tuned for that. Zini, S Gundam, or finally S Gundam. So, the code name for Superior Gundam is MSA uh, 0011. MSA again stands for Anaheim Edition Mobile Suit. Uh, the specification for its standard uh, class is overall height of 25.18 meters, top height of 21.73 meters, body weight of 38.4 tons, total max weight when loaded out is 73 tons, with a power generator output of 7180 kilowatts. It has four 24,700 kilogram thrusters and an additional four 11,200 kilogram thrusters. For attitude control, Voyager's has 15. <clears throat> it has a sensor effective radius of 18,800 meters. And in terms of its uh, armor, it's uh, mounted with the Gundalian Gamma Composite. Fixed armament includes four 60mm Vulcans on the head, two back beam cannons of an output of 12 megawatts, two five beam cannons uh, with a total output of 14 megawatts, two beam sabers and 9 megawatts, a head income system which we'll talk about with an output of 3.8 megawatts. It has four Vulcan uh, uh, 60mm Vulcans on the tail stabilizer. And for an option that has a beam spark down to 56 megawatts, although it can be equipped with other types of weapons based on the situation. So, of course, as we kind of mentioned, Best Gunman is the main mobile suit in the series and it deserves a detailed rundown. It certainly had a great deal of detailed breakdown descriptions by Kotoki-san and the Gunman's in the Bible. Standard configuration, as was written by Kotoki-san, was the seventh mobile suit or mobile model of the Gunman series. And it was codenamed Iota Gundam and Anaheim Electronics. And it was a model that was aimed to be the ultimate Gundam. The fuselage con consists of three units an A part, which is the upper body or named as G Attacker, B part, which is the lower body or the G Bomber, and a C part, which is the core block or G Core. Uh, the cockpit uh, has a thermonuclear reaction engine for propulsion an independent control system which can be operated separately even when it's in a separated state. Thrust balance is also taken into consideration so that problems do not occur when using the three aircrafts as space fighters. The engines of the A and B part also has a generator for moving the mobile suit. From the beginning, Eskalon uh, was designed uh, to have a wide range of optional parts or weapons that can be selected according to its mission profile. Um, this is because many mobile suits have been put into actual battle, and additional parts and modifications have been necessary according to various situations. A large stabilizer for the AMBAC system, which we talked about in a previous episode, is located in the center of the back, and a unit in the main wing or of the A part is folded, is sort of hung down over both shoulders on the, uh, of the back side of it. The incon system is mounted on the head, 
we'll talk a little bit about what the Incon system is. Uh, the control for the Incon system is not particularly complicated. Uh, the output uh, in terms of energy is not very high uh, compared to its other main uh, beam weapons, but the effect is significant because it can catch the enemy by surprise. The beam cannon of the thigh is an improved version of the MSK006 Zeta Plus, and the movable frame allows for wide range shooting. The spark gun is typical, and instead of the thigh beam cannon, the spark gun body is mounted on the right side, and the energy supply support unit is mounted on the left side. The energy for shooting is supplied from the movable frames on the left and right thighs, and boasts a much higher output than a typical beam rifle. So, this particular gun is based off of the core fighter, and the S-Gun and core block mobile suit is a unique federal system uh, since Operation V, or the first mobile suit development plan for the Federation Army. The main computer of the mobile suit, which was prototyped in Operation V, was a very high-end uh, mobile suit with a self-winning function at that time. As a result, the performance was superior to the mobile suit to Xeon principalities, and it was possible. The cost of this computer was very high. Also, since the data obtained during the tests and battles are critical, the escape system to safely retrieve the pilot and this computer in an emergency were needed. The core block system allowed for this to happen, but the introduction of the system further increased the cost of mobile suit during trial productions, which is already high. Therefore, the mass-produced RGM-79 or GM, or GIM, this system was discontinued due to cost cuts. However, due to the number of fatalities uh, during the one-year war, this decision was re-examined after the completion of the war. As a system, uh, the capsule escape type's linear seat was loaded on all mobile suits. Uh, this was considered part of the second generation mobile suits that you'd see later in Zeta Gundam and other properties. The linear suit was very good, but even with this escape system, there are many instances where escape from explosion from a thermonuclear reactor was not feasible. Also, computers that were installed had become more expensive. Therefore, the core block system, which had been postponed initially due to cost increase, was once been brought up into the fore. The core block type in mobile suits seen in RX-75, 78, and 77 of the One Year War was also seen in, in MSZ-010, uh, or a double Zeta Gundam. This mobile suit was called the Theta Gundam Anaheim Electronics, and can be separated into both an A and B part. When the pilot of the A part is on board, it's not on the core block, so the problem was that it was difficult to escape. Especially since S Gundam was also a test machine for the concepts of the unmanned mobile suit, also known as Alice, it was necessary to recover the computer system intact. Therefore, such a complete uh, escape system was one of the performance requirements from the beginning of the S Gundam development. So, talking a little bit about income system. It's a form of quasi-psychic weapon, which allows for the pilot who are not full-fledged new types or cyber new types to utilize a form of a funnel or bit type weapon. Unlike funnels or bits, it has a flat cylindrical shape that is guided by a wire uh, to attack with a built-in beam gun. A wire for guidance is wound inside, and while propelling the wire, it propels the rocket impulses. The wire is slightly tensioned so as not to sag, and when the income changes the flight direction, a weight called a relay income is left on the wire, so the wire remains taut and the income is connected still to the mobile suit. It can be recoiled and stored back in its housing unit. I'll say it again. 
it can be recoiled and stored back in its housing unit when no longer in use. Superior Gundam and its various uh, variants are the first mobile suit in the universe century to possess this technology. It is canonical as it is later seen in properties like Unicorn Gundam. The Bean Smart Gun is a mobile weapon uh, that uses energy capacitors and has a high energy output. When used, it is connected to the mobile suit via a movable frame, and many of them have a beam deflector attached to the muzzle. Although it has a lower output than the Mega Bazooka Launcher, this seen in Zeta Gundam, it is a high-grade weapon that is much smaller and easier to handle and can be used for near attack or for a long-range attack as well. The movable frame that connects the smart gun and mobile suit has a built-in power tube for energy supplying from the mobile suit to the energy capacitor and a connector for exchanging sensor data with each other. And because it's firmly attached to the arm and waist, it combines precise beam deflector and various sensor data and promises precise and stable shooting. The design seems reminiscent of the M56 smart gun that you'd seen and by the Mulcloner Marines in the movie Aliens by James Cameron in 1986. And you can tell the appearance is the same, or at least similar, in terms of his appearance and even how it was mounted by the hip as well. I'll have a picture up on the internet for a comparison for you to see. And in terms of whether this may have been uh, an inspiration, it certainly is possible as this movie came out before the release of uh, Gun of Sentinel. The next variation is that of EXS Gundam, or Extraordinary Gundam, MSA-0011. In terms of total height, it has a height of 25.9 meters, a head height of 21.73 meters, a body weight of 69.24 tons, a total weight of massive 162.5 tons, power generator output of 7180 kilowatts, it has four massive uh, rocket thrusters with a combined thrust of 267,500 kilograms each and two additional smaller thrusters of 56,000 kilograms apiece. Its armor is based on the Gundalian Gamma Composite. It has 15 attitude control verniers. It has a sensor effective radius of 18,800 meters. It has for fixed armament uh, four of these 60mm Vulcans mounted on the head, four backpack mounted beam cannons, 12 megawatt output, two five mounted beam cannons with a 14 megawatt output. Uh, it has an eye field generator. It also has Incom that's head mounted, just like the Superior Gundam, and it has an additional two reflector Incoms that are knee mounted, one in each knee. The Beam Saber uh, has a total of two with 0.9 megawatts and an additional four tail sailors are mounted 60 millimeter Vulcans. The Extraordinary S Gunman is a heavy type with additional and reinforced armor weapons. The model number is represented by MSA-0011EXT. The chest plane that overhangs the center of the chest is a beam barrier generator which serves as both a cockpit, cockpit defense and reinforcement for the chest transformation system. The S Gundam has four thermonuclear reactors installed, but it can always generate a barrier that can cover the whole unit. Or should rather, it cannot always generate a barrier that covers the whole entire unit. Therefore, only a part of the energy supply from the generator is continuously charged and the barrier is generated around the cockpit in seconds at the required moment. This is a Federation design concept that emphasizes 
pilot survivability. The beam saber box on the knee is replaced with a reflector incom unit. One reflector incom is installed in each knee, and it can reflect the mega particle beam emitted from the beam cannon or beam smart gun. The parts added to the back of the leg are a propellant tank for thermonuclear rockets, a fuel source, and a slow thrust enhancer. The Extraordinary type has 80% more mass than the S Gundam, so strengthening its thrust capabilities and propellant is a required element. Also, the thrust is 11 times stronger with the backpack. The Extraordinary backpack is equipped with two thermonuclear rockets, propellant, and two beam cannons per booster, which is similar design to the ones mounted on the Booster S Gundam. It is mounted armed rather with four head mounted 60mm Vulcans four backpack cannons and a beam spark gun that's mounted on a movable frame and along with the left it can be either mounted on the left or right thighs and with hip mounted uh, beam cannons. The combination of these beam guns and reflector incomes on the knees allows the Alice to find the best attack possible against any enemy and it can exert a lethal attack. It can transform from a humanoid or mobile suit form into a G cruiser mode as well. Uh, pictures of the transformation uh, of this very mobile suit and wave rider system will be uploaded to our various uh, uh, Instagram and Twitter and Facebook accounts <clears throat> another uh, VMS AWRS or very mobile suit and wave rider system uh, from this era was Zeta Plus for what it's worth you can actually see an animated form of the superior Gundam briefly Gundam Bill Fighters of course as a Gunpla and display in the model store the eye field that I mentioned is produced by an eye field generator that causes a force field by mediating the interaction of Minovsky particles and megaparticles. According to laws of Minovsky physics, it is possible to compress the Minovsky cubic lattice deflect focus particles and allow them to use in field motors, beam weapons, <clears throat> beam barriers, and Minovsky craft. Next, we'll talk about the S Gundam Plus booster unit, which is what we had actually heard about in this particular chapter. Uh, its fixed armament is four head uh, of the head-mounted uh, 60 millimeter Vulcans, uh, maximum height of 19.16 meters, a head height of 15.8 meters, body weight of 82.18 tons, maximum weight of 220 tons, um, power generator output of 12,250 kilowatts. It has eight 267,500 kilogram rocket thrusters, a total of 16 attitude control vernators. It has an effective radius and sensor range of 18,800 meters. Our materials comprise a prize of Gundalian gamma, gamma composite. Additional weapons include the back beam cannons where there are four mounted at 12 megawatt range. Head incomes of output of 3.8 megawatts and four 60mm Vulcans uh, mounted on the tail stabilizer. So the MSA-0011 Boost or BST is a superior gun that's high, high speed, high mobility type with four giant reinforced back and leg units. The reinforced back was originally designed as part of the crew equipment for the G Cruiser mode, which is a cruise mode of the S Gundam. Uh, to meet the required performance of moon descent, departure, and earth departure from the atmosphere. Reinforced backpacks operate without any energy supply from the mobile suit body. Each backpack has two frames for the beam cannon, two for each, and a smart beam gun can be connected here as well. 
pack on the backpacks are often equipped with four beam cannons. Acceleration of 10 Gs or more are possible, which is three times that of the extraordinary type. And even with its fully equipped, fully equipped weight, um, since the mass ratio is also large, it can also shift to a large orbit similar to that of a spacecraft. It is even theoretically possible to attain the velocity necessary to reach the moon in a single flight from low Earth orbit. So the last thing we will talk about is that of Deep Striker, or Plan 03E. This is not canonical, as certainly was not made for this uh, series in terms of anything that we'll see or hear about in this particular podcast. However, you'll certainly see pictures of it. Uh, especially if you're a Gunpla collector, you may have actually seen pictures or you may be lucky enough to have purchased it and built it. It is, in essence, the S-Gundam mounted with an extraordinarily large beam cannon mount on the right shoulder with a booster kit to its lower body. It was never actually built for Gundam Sentinel, but would essentially be a massive fleet killer in its own right. It can destroy cruisers at a significant distance and be able to take on mobile suits at a close range with its beam smart gun. So think of it as essentially this superior Gundam booster type on steroids. For this week's episode, we'll do a deep dive or analysis of the Devil's Garden. This was actually a name that was coined by Field Marshal Erwin Rommel. Uh, it served as a defensive measure to protect access from forces led by Lieutenant General Montgomery of the Allied Forces in North Africa. Rommel directed the Africa Corps to establish a dense network of landmines and barbed wire to defend their position in El Alamein in 1942. This was built in Egypt and the network extended from the coast of the Mediterranean to the Qatar Depression. In fact, the Africa Corps planted an approximate 3 million mines before the Battle of El Alamein. As of the year 2011, online references stated that most of the mines that were laid that year uh, in 1942 still remain and are becoming more and more unstable over time and dangerous. According to a committee resolution issued by the United Nations in the year 2019, Egypt has approximately 22 million mines that are placed overall, making it home to one-fifth of the world's total mines in place. The United Nations created in response to this threat to the world populace, the United Nations Mine Action Service, or UNMAS, in 1997. It operates under the auspices of the General Assembly and the Security Council. It is created as a focal point for mine action within the United Nations system and its ongoing collaboration with and coordination of all mine-related activities of the United Nations agencies, funds, and programs. Its five pillars include clearance by mine mapping and marking as well as actual removal, mine risk education, education by teaching the local populace of dangers of mines, victim assistance, advocacy, and stockpile destruction. Through its measures, it was able to declare, for example, Nepal landmine free in 2011. So let's get back to Devil's Gardens. During the break-in phase of the British attack, John Montgomery utilized engineers appointing the infantry brigades of the 2nd New Zealand Division to clear paths through the minefields to allow attacking formations to approach Axis positions. Scorpion tanks equipped with rotating devices were used to exploit anti-tank mines with limited effectiveness, which then led to actual manual clearing that had to be done, which would have been more treacherous if the Germans had deployed more anti-personnel mines. This operation is known as Operation Lightfoot. During this battle, Allied forces were able to finally beat the three lines of fortifications 
just like around Peasant Asteroid, which helped to lead to the Montgomery-led forces to be able to declare victory in the second battle for El Alamein. Next episode, The Conquest of Peasant. Commander Brian Aedo is sent by the Federation ex-dispatch fleet to encourage the former instructor corps rebels to surrender. The elite mobile suits of the Task Force Alpha work to develop their skills. The Earth Federation also launches forces from the moon to attack Pezen, allowing for a pincer attack. However, the new decides obtain an unlikely ally. And carrier pigeons? Please be sure to check out the Twitter page at Gundam Sentinel 2, Instagram at Gundam Sentinel Podcast, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Gundam Sentinel Podcast. If you like what you hear, please rate and give a review on whatever means you listen to this podcast and tell your Gundam loving friends to check it out. Until next time.